Welcome to the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. Today we will be hearing from, from candidates in a forum for the Arkansas State House of Representatives District 94. The candidates are Janae Huffman-Gilry, the, the Democrat, and John Carr, the Republican. Today's forum is moderated by Paul Gatling with the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal. We encourage you to listen to the podcast and vote on November the 3rd. All right, we are back now for another Benton County Candidate Forum, this time for House District 94 here hosted at the Rogers Lowell Area Chamber of Commerce. I'm Paul Gatling with the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal. I'm joined today by Janae Huffman-Gilreath. She is the Democratic candidate, and John Carr is the Republican candidate. Thanks, both of you, for being here. Um, just a moment first, uh, uh, before we get started, just tell us why you are running for the office and if elected, what you think your legislative priorities would be for your constituents uh, when the General Assembly convenes next year. John, we'll start with you first. Sure. Thank you uh, for having us today, and thank you for the Chamber for hosting us. So I'm John Carr. I'm the Republican candidate for Arkansas House District 94. One of the things that I believe is I believe it's an honor to serve. And one of the things, I've traveled our community, I've talked to a lot of people. Um, first and foremost, what I want to do is listen to the people understand their situation and take that to Little Rock and represent them. Some of the things that uh, looking at is our, our taxes. Our sales tax is the second highest in the nation according to the uh, Tax Foundation, a little bit over nine and a half percent here in Arkansas. So I know that tax is uh, hurting our families because they have to spend more on their, uh, their items that they purchase. So I want to get that down. Also I have a, a business and a technology background. So I want to use those skills to make our government run more efficiently and more effectively for our citizens. Because if we can do that, then we can bring down our expenses in Little Rock and in turn pass those tax savings on to our individuals uh, who are living in our district. I want to uh, also uh, advocate for our veterans. They have sacrificed much and they've served our country faithfully. So we need to make sure that our veterans are taken care of. I also uh, believe in law enforcement. Uh, I want to make sure that our law enforcement have what they need. Every time a man or a woman puts on the uniform and goes out in the community, they're risking our lives to keep us safe. So I want to make sure that they have the things that they need. And of course, small business. You know, our district has a lot of small businesses in it, and they spend a lot of time working tirelessly to be able to promote their, their products and their services, be able to make a living. I want to make sure that we get regulations off their backs and make sure that they can do a good job with their, uh, with their business and promote it to their community. So ultimately, I'm just honored to be here. I'm honored to be the Republican nominee. And if elected, I'll be very honored to serve our district. Janae? So I'm Janae Huffman-Gilreath. I'm running for Arkansas House District 94 as well. And I'm running because I believe our district needs true leadership and representation in Little Rock. And um, Northwest Arkansas has thought of the land of plenty and um, we have our own needs. And we need someone down in Little Rock who can advocate for Northwest Arkansas as well as the rest of the state. And issues that I have heard about um, being major concerns and are concerns for myself are access to affordable health care, um, a fully funded public education, and then we need to in increase the funding for our infrastructure. Okay. All right. Well, let's get some of the issues right now. Janae will give you the opportunity to answer the first question here, and that is when the legislature convenes next year, lawmakers will be considering a hate crimes bill. Arkansas is currently one of just three states without a hate crimes law on the books. Is that legislation uh, you would support or oppose if elected? I absolutely support it. 
Um, I wor worked in Washington, D.C. for U.S. Senator um, in 1999 when that was on the Hill. Um, it's appalling to me that we have federal legislation, but Arkansas has refused to participate in it. Um, I'm thankful that our governor has since changed his mind from the time that we were in D.C. Um, we're in a very contentious time, and we need to make sure that when crimes are done against humanity um, because of color of skin or religion or ethnicity, those need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent. And I would think as a law enforcement individual, you would probably agree with that as well. We can't have crimes going on the books for people who are willfully committing hateful crimes. John? So one of the things I'd have to see is the final version of the legislation to be able to determine uh, what I would feel about that. Uh, but one of the things I did want to kind of mention and talk about some underlying things in our community. So one of the things is we really want, we want diversity and inclusion in all different areas. One of the things a dream, that we have a dream about is everybody being included. Um, there is an area that I want to highlight that's not being included right now as much as it should be. And that's within the Republican Party. You know, it, from its founding, we were a party that uh, advocated for abolition. abolition. We, found, we passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution. Also, it was the Republican Party that fought to give women the right to vote. Four years ago, we had candidates at our, at our Republican uh, Republican nominees were running. We had uh, Ben Carson, who was an African-American. We had Bobby Jindal, who was an Indian-American. We had Ted Cruz. We had Marco Rubio, who were Hispanic-Americans. We had Carla Fiorina, who was a woman. Even today, in the Republican Party, we do have diversity. We have uh, Kim Klasick running up in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. She's an African-American woman. We also have uh, young Kim running out in California. So that's something that, to have true diversity and be able to bridge that gap and come together, we need to make sure we recognize it everywhere. Even here locally, we've got a couple of great, outstanding um, people that in office. Judge Joseph Wood in Washington County, he's a great man. He loves his community, serves his people. Then Sharon Brooks down in Sebastian County, she's the county clerk. She's an African-American woman. She does a great job. She works and she serves and mentors other county clerks. So I think that that's something that's underlying in the situation we need to look at, is we need to celebrate diversity in all areas. And that's something that uh, I think is important. Right. On some of these diversity uh, conversations we're having, this hate crimes legislation was born out of this larger conversation we've been having this summer in the country, social justice uh, issues, uh, police department funding. Um, even here in Arkansas, we've had demonstrations in Little Rock and Bentonville and, and Fayetteville. Uh, so my question is, what do you believe are reasonable steps a legislator or any legislative body uh, can or should take to address uh, police violence against communities of color or marginalized communities? So one of the things that uh, I think we can do is just love each other. Uh, you know, we've got to be in our churches and our communities talking to each other. One of the things I personally do is I like to go out to lunch with people, get to know them one-on-one. -on -one. I think a lot of it is just we just got to get to talk to each other. And it's amazing what you can learn whenever you go have a meal with somebody and just that personal connection that you make. I think it's up to us as individuals to be able to do that. We've got to all come out and talk to each other and work with each other. And like I say, when you get to know somebody, it is a beautiful thing. I would agree with him on that. You have to know people. Um, what we have seen across the nation with um, police stations that have decided to take an alternate funding route or putting funding in different areas is, and we see this in New Jersey, 
They move police stations out of a centralized and do small hubs so that they're within the community. They encourage and require volunteerism within that community. They put in boys and girls clubs. So there are alternate ways to be prevented, pre to prevent crime within a community and also bring the police force in to get known. If a police officer of any type um, acts untowardly, they should be prosecuted to the fullest extent. Um, to whom much knowledge is given, <laughs> better behavior is required. And um, you cannot expect people to follow your rules and abide by it if they are afraid of the repercussions from the police force. There is a um, tax question on the ballot in November, a constitutional amendment that voters will be considering. That's issue one, the highway tax, which would keep a half cent sales tax for road needs as a permanent tax. Uh, voters approved that in 2012. It's set to expire in 2023. The governor supports it, the state chamber supports it, the trucking association supports it. So we've seen the infrastructure benefit of that tax in our corner of the state, uh, namely the interstate widening. Um, is this an amendment you support or oppose and why, Jenny? Absolutely support it, absolutely. And um, I know that this is an issue John has not supported in the past. Um, the, the half cent sales tax paid for over 200 miles of highway re restructuring and refunding. Um, it was over 36 projects that that half cent sales tax went into. It's affecting three different interstate interchanges within our district. We have to support it. Arkansas has one of the largest number, highest number of road miles per capita of any state in the nation. Um, though we know it's a failing resource. If we don't put money back into maintaining our capital, it will fail us. Um, we have a trucking company, J.B. Hunt, here in our area, and if we don't maintain the roads for our own companies, um, we're going to struggle. Marion, Arkansas, in 2017, lost um, the opportunity to have a Toyota manufacturing plant because our infrastructure wasn't up to par. So how can we expect to bring businesses, if we're pro-business, into the state if we don't maintain what we already have? John? So one of the things about me is, uh, you know, I definitely am transparent with people and I let people know how I stand. And yes, I am have concerns about the highway tax. Um, one of the, my biggest concerns is the fact that it's being putting a permanent tax in our Constitution. And that's something the legislature should be able to determine tax policy. There is one thing about it, though, is the voters ultimately will decide. And in this room, my opponent and I, we each have one vote literally out of a million that will be cast on this. Um, one of the things that, as I mentioned before, our taxes are too high. And so this is a half a cent sales tax. The citizens have control of this if they want to bring that down or not. I have concerns about things that are going on inside of the, uh, with some of the government waste. An example of this is on Highway 49. You, what's now 49 is a while back they had put down the steel ropes. Then shortly after they had to pull them up so they could widen the highway. So if things like this are happening all over the state, my concern is maybe that's where our money is. So if we, if we do some things and we manage efficiently, we can, we can have that money. Plus with this, when this was put in place 10 years ago, this was intended to be temporary. This was not intended to go on forever. It was done just to be able to do some necessary work and be able to uh, then go from there. So another concern I have is it's being brought up, you know, we've got about two, a little over two years before it expires, um, is why is there a rush right now to, uh, to pass it? you know, to pass it and make it permanent. We still have time. We still have time to look at other sources of income and do our due diligence on this. Okay, shifting. Now, quickly to the another amendment issue, issue two, 
the term limit amendment. Uh, are you familiar with that proposal? And just as a rule, do you support or oppose term limits? I think term, term limits are necessary as a principle. I think that uh, one of the things when our country was founded, the intent was that you would go to, you go to serve, then you'd come home and somebody else would go serve and they would add on to uh, what you've done. That's something that uh, we don't really need somebody that's down, down in a political position forever, for a very long time. Term limits are very necessary, gives new people a chance, new opportunities. So I am familiar with the legislation or the, what's being brought forward, the initiative. Um, I have some real concerns with that initiative. Um, it's somewhat self-dealing. Um, it was put together by the legislature to allow them to get around the current term limits. Um, to allow someone to be in office, well, if you're a House member, six different terms, so a total of 12 years, you take four years off. I don't know very many people that can set up a career or people want to hire for four years for them to re-enter politics. It stinks to me. Um, I struggle with term limits for this main reason. We have a hard time getting people to run in Arkansas. We do. Um, it's one of the least educated legislatures in the United States. Um, if we're having a hard time getting people to run, how much harder is it going to be to have turnover? I also look at um, elections as a sort of term limit. Now, that being said, I would like to see a turnover. I would like to see more people in office. And if I could go back to the highway tax, the reason it's coming up two years before, I'm in funding for um, capital improvements with infrastructure for the city of Rogers, we have to plan out. Um, you are limited on funding mechanisms, and if you don't plan two, three, five, ten years out, you'll get there and you won't have the money. And these are permanent roads. Why not have a permanent tax? You both want to be state legislators, and legislators spend the majority of their time in three buckets, really, education, health and human services, Department of Corrections. So I've got a question relating to one of those areas, and that's education. Um, what resources and services uh, beyond academics do you believe schools and the community should provide to support student well-being and achievement? I am, so my mom was a public school teacher for 30 years. I'm a product of public school all the way through my master's degree. Um, we need a universal pre-K system within our state. Um, it is shown time after time in areas where pre-K is offered, that kids' health improves because they not only have vaccines, but they have teachers watching them, noticing health issues that parents may not see. They're getting nutrition, which they may not get at home. In Northwest Arkansas, we have a complete lack of daycare open availability. Um, now, the pandemic has changed that a little bit, but to try to get a child into daycare or into some sort of structured pre-K system is virtually impossible. Kids who attend pre-K have higher test scores, have a lower rate of entering the, into the prison system, and it prepares a skilled workforce and allows parents, which I see at work, the ability to go back to work sooner to return to the workforce. John? So one of the things that, uh, that we need to do is we need to empower parents to be able to make the best decisions for their children possible. Um, one of the concerns is we can't just do a one-size-fits-all for everything. We, uh, we currently spend over $3 billion on education here in Arkansas. I think one of the things that we need to do is look to make sure we're more efficient for the taxpayer, make sure that we uh, provide other alternatives for people for education. And we've been using the same type of education system since, since the 1800s. 
I think we've got some other things that we can do. I know COVID-19 has given some people some opportunity to try effectively homeschooling because they're with their kids and gives them a chance to be able to do education other ways. So that's one of the things that I feel that we can do is do some alternative things and uh, increase some efficiency. There may be some processes that we can look at that are administrative that could save some costs. There may be some things that the teachers and administrators just don't, don't have to do that they have to do right now, paperwork, you know, that we can do. One of the things I've got a business and a technology background, and I would love to use this to uh, be able to make things more efficient, be able to make processes more efficient, make people more efficient, empower people more. So there's a whole plethora of opportunities I think we need to look at. We have got not only decisions on who we are voting for this fall, but how we are going to vote uh, this fall. Mail-in voting is a popular topic, maybe now more than ever. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the election process? And how are you advocating for your supporters, John, or really just for voters at large, um, about what course they should take this year to cast their votes because of the pandemic? Yeah, definitely exercise your right to vote. Our, our founding fathers, they fought and died for this right. In fact, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the, re the reason why Election Day is on Tuesday is because of the fact in the 1800s, people would actually travel to their polling place to cast a ballot. So it's something that uh, there's several ways that you can vote. If you want an absentee ballot, you can request it. Um, you, that's perfectly acceptable. You can also early vote starting October 19th, or you can vote on Election Day. But whatever you do, please make sure you exercise your right to vote. But there's full confidence in mail. Uh, there's going to be a higher volume of mail-in voting this year, I think we'll agree. There's confidence in that system. There's been a lot of planning putting up in up front with, uh, with being able to prepare for this. Sure. Jeanette? Um, um, we do have the constitutional right, and it is vitally important that we vote. Um, I, it's discouraging to see how many Americans don't take it as a duty. Um, I have full confidence in the absentee ballot mail-in. Um, if people choose to vote absentee, they need to request their ballot right away. They're being mailed out this Friday. Um, they'll be mailed out as they're approved um, and come through. But you need to mail it back in. It has to arrive before Election Day. So it can't just be postmarked. It has to arrive. Um, I encourage people to vote early. So skip the line. Get there early and, and get, get your, your vote counted, your voice counted. Sure. Okay. Just got a couple of minutes left here, so just final thought time from both of you to wrap up. What is a topic that is uh, important to your constituents that you want them to know will be important to you uh, in Little Rock if you're elected in November to the Arkansas General Assembly? And how do, you, how do you plan to promote that and get that message out to your supporters between now and November 3rd? Janae? So one of the burning issues for me are SNAP benefits. Um, we have a very diverse district here, um, but we have a lot of low-income, free and reduced lunch individuals, um, which means a good majority of those people qualify for SNAP benefits. State of Arkansas is one of the few states that has an asset limit on um, families to qualify, uh, and our asset limit is $2,500. I'm a former banker. I was a vice president with uh, Arvest for 10 and a half years. If you're wanting to get people out of poverty, you can't penalize them for saving. And $2,500 goes nowhere. Um, so if we remove that asset limit and allow people to start saving so that we can move them out of poverty, I think that is a huge benefit and that's something I'm gonna fight for. It should be a no-brainer. Many other states have done the same thing um, and it just benefits our entire society. John? So one of the things first and foremost, 
if elected, I'm going to be a, a serve. I'm going to serve you. One of the things that, as I've traveled the district and talked to many people, even as a candidate, I've asked, answered many, many questions. I've answered questions about the census. I've answered questions for veterans. I've answered questions about the, about the city. A representative doesn't just simply make legislation. A representative represents. And so that's one of the things I'll be a very good point of contact. I want to be somebody that you can approach in the community and say, hey, John, how's it going? And just have a conversation with me at the grocery store, at the restaurant. Just know I'm here for you. Um, obviously, one of the things I want to fight for is to bring down your tax burden. Put more money with you so that way you can save more, you can invest more. You can spend, you can spend money in the way that you see fit. I want to be able to empower you. So I appreciate the Chamber for having us today, and I definitely would ask for your vote in November. And uh, if you have any questions for me, please feel free to reach out. Okay. John Carr, Janae Huffman-Gilreath, candidates for House District 94, thanks both of you for being here today. Thanks for your campaign and your interest in public service, and best of luck to both of you on November 3rd. All right.